Hello there. Welcome to the Africa Rights Talk Podcast, a center for human rights podcast series exploring a range of human rights issues through conversations with academics, practitioners, and activists. I am your host, Victoria Amici. Let's dive in. Welcome to this today's episode of Africa Rights Talk. I'm here with Mr. Liko Butterman from the Department of Basic Education. Can you please introduce yourself, the nature of work that you do, and why we're here today? My name is Liko Butterman. I am the Director for Social Cohesion and Equity in Education. I'm an occupational therapist by profession. I work in the Department of Basic Education, leading the portfolio that deals with social cohesion and equity. Part of the work that we do is around promotion of human rights, nation building, peace building, equity and equality issues, gender equality, issues around decolonization of basic education. So looking at, you know, oral history, uh, we give young people an opportunity to go back and cultivate new histories that were never, um, you, you know, documented by the mainstream history that we have in the country today. And so part of the work also requires us to promote active citizenry amongst young people as part of the whole agenda of child and youth agency. And so we're here today at the Center for Human Rights in the University of Pretoria. This is a journey that we've worked together for so many years, almost 12 years now. And our journey really is on the National Schools Moot Court Program, which we implement with the South African Human Rights Commission and the Department of Justice and Constitutional Development. The program is looking at promoting constitutionalism and constitutional literacy amongst young people. Because we realize that there is a lot of infringement of human rights, particularly for children. And children don't even know or they're not even aware that there is an infringement of their human rights. We are giving young people an opportunity to engage with the Constitution so that they understand what provisions are there for them for the different kinds of rights that are provided for in that Constitution. And we also then give young people an opportunity to understand how the constitutional veracity is tested in the court of law so that they understand that you don't just wake up, wipe your eyes and, and enter into a debate about the constitution in court, but that there are processes. But in the process, we then expose young people to the profession of law, so that if they want to take what we expose them to further into a career, that they understand that the law professions are there as an opportunity, like they are in engineering, like they are in science, in teaching, and so forth. We know that not all of them will become law professionals in the end, mm -hmm. but at least we know that we would have exposed them to the possibility. Mm, interesting. That's actually a lot of inspiration and, and things to look forward to in the future for those young schoolers. I wanted to ask also... You mentioned things about nation building, changing how we see education. Are there more reasons why the Department of Education or the Basic Education decided to take on this planning and organization of this moot court competition? Yeah, besides the fact that, uh, as I was saying, that there is a lot of infringement of constitutional mm -hmm. rights of mm -hmm. our people, 
we also are aware that there is a lot of discrimination and prejudice and related intolerance amongst our people. And our people don't understand that there are constitutional rights that are ring-fencing those kinds of discriminations. And so we do want to promote a, a, a society, a society that is free from discrimination, as our constitution is saying. But we also want to prepare young people so that when they leave school, they don't just leave school with a school leaving certificate, which mm -hmm. is a, a certificate of matriculation, but that they also leave school prepared mm -hmm. to go into society as law-abiding citizens, as people who will guard against discrimination, mm -hmm. and maybe by, thereby then ensuring that we are preparing an inclusive society, we are preparing a society that is, you know, observing the law, a society that understands diversity, a society that understands that for every right, there is also a responsibility amongst them. And so that's what we're trying to do with young people, to say that issues of human rights are not adult issues. We want to add and amplify the voice of young people into that conversation, into that narrative so that as we move along and as we design the improvement of constitutional rights for children, that we don't do it from the top of our heads, but that we would have had some level of consultation and you know, you know, sounding, both sounding with children about these issues that we're trying to solve. Interesting, I, I, really, I really second that and uh, she keep doing the work that you do. So next question is, how is this participation of children, for instance, in this competition, how has this evolved over time since it started? When we started 12 years ago, the program was almost like an elitist program because firstly, for you to participate in the program, you have to be, you, you have to have very good verbal communication skills. You have to be like a very good orator. You have to be a very good writer, you know, that kind of a thing. And so if you look at the language landscape in schools, you understand that the higher you go in the quintile system of education, the more likely it is that uh, children would participate in the program because they have they are, they have got a, you know they are all fair with the English language. They can write it, they can speak it, you know, and they can speak it in public and so forth. But over time, we realize that for this program to be as impactful as as it should. We need, you know, to begin to introduce what we call mass participation to the program. The late Professor Haynes, who was walking the journey with us mm -hmm. in the University of Pretoria Human Rights Center, w was the one who actually pioneered this whole uh, mass participation uh, story in the program. Mm -hmm. The mass participation story was saying that at least all schools mm -hmm. should be able to write an essay to argue what, whatever case would have put forward in that particular year, that they argue it in writing. And if they write so well and they've got very good arguments in their writing, in their essays, then that those essays would be selected so that they then come and present their ideas and their arguments orally at a provincial level. And then there's a process of elimination that happens then at a provincial level, that then they come to the national level. And so we would always see more affluent schools, what we call former Model C schools. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but over time, we've then made it 
a requirement for provincial delegations that come to the national competition that there must be a spread of quintal uh, schools that come here that every delegation should have you know your quintal one and two and three schools but also then four and five which are the much more higher end uh, quintal schools yeah i agree so many things have challenges in life so i want to ask what do you think are the key challenges that competition may have faced over the years since you started mm. so what we do usually we when we give them a a, a problem statement or like a simulated case mm -hmm. for the court we usually give young people um, a relevant case, a current case, a case that is in the courts as we speak or that has just been uh, concluded or that is awaiting conclusion, whatever it is. And so part of the challenge that we have is the whole perception from parents and caregivers about the program. Mm -hmm. We are viewed as people who are teaching children to be political, who are teaching people to be radical, who are teaching people, uh, young people to be um, uh, ungovernable. And so many school principals and many parents prevent their children from participating in the program because they say that once we inculcate this child-centered and human rights-centered you know, uh, spirit, yeah among uh, ethos in mm, schools, right. then they will have a problem mm, of children who don't want to listen, who know their rights mm. and, you know, mm. that kind of a thing. Mm. Click your fingers <laughs> and you can't tell me nothing mm. kind of a thing. There's nothing wrong about that. Mm. You do want to have children who have got agency. Mm. The reason why children today are being molested sexually mm. and children today are being abused and bullied and, and suffering in silence it's because they don't know that they've got uh, constitutional rights mm -hmm. uh, you know, against those issues. And they don't know that they can report mm -hmm. and that they, something must happen about those things. And so we want to inculcate that knowledge amongst young people so that they don't suffer in silence and end up committing suicide. That's the first thing. The second thing that we're finding now is that we have really struggled to ensure that even learners with special education needs, and here I'm talking about learners living with disabilities, um, uh, they're not yet participating on the program. We've managed to do that in our other social cohesion and nation building offering in basic education, but we haven't quite been able to do it in the moot court. And we're hoping that mm -hmm. springing into 2024, mm -hmm. we will be able to do that. We want to see more participation of learners with special education needs. Interesting, I, I agree. Thank you for that insight, um, Mr. Butterman. I would like to ask for my next question. You have talked about the key challenges. Can you give me some highlights of the most memorable times of the competitions, the achievements, the you know the glory, the glory mm. times? There are quite a lot that come to mind yeah. uh, because we've had quite a lot of them. One that jumps to my head at the moment is the whole participation of young people in the Constitutional Court in front of real constitutional court judges. Mm -hmm. So the constitutional court judges say that many of these children argue better than a, you know, ordinary counsel in, in the constitutional court. They say they give them a run for their money. They argue as mm -hmm. if they are uh, law professionals mm -hmm. who have got formal training in law. Wow. That's, that's what happens. And every year, that is the feedback that you get from the constitutional court judges. The second thing that I could cite is that many of the children who then took 
law as a profession mm -hmm. have done really well in the law sector and many of them study further into postgrad mm -hmm. and we've got a lot of the you know people that came out of the program who are now practicing attorneys so it's it's really so nice to see that but also we've got children who come to this national program who say that if it was not for this program I never would have jumped on a plane in my life because where I come from mm. we don't no. travel by plane we don't even dream about mm. traveling by plane and so that one time one touch mm. experience of that child changes the trajectory of that child forever because they would have flown, they would have come to sleep in hotels, mm -hmm. they, they engage with law professionals and attorneys, you know, they get all of that exposure and it changes their life in a different way. And sometimes they even write to us these very nice, heartwarming letters to thank us mm -hmm. and it's just so amazing. Mm -hmm. Great. My last question for the interview is, how do you envision the future of this competition? We want to see more mass participation because we haven't quite mm -hmm. uh, achieved that. We're trying, mm -hmm. but it's still very few schools that are participating. In South Africa, we've got 16,000 uh, secondary schools. Mm -hmm. But I think in totality, if you look at, you know, looking at the schools that write the essays all the way up to where we are now, we're still counting hundreds of schools. I'm looking forward to a future where we at least now begin to count thousands of schools. You know, even if we don't have all 16,000 of them, but at least can we just have thousands of schools and not count hundreds of schools? I know that it is going to be a lot of work for those who have to mark these essays because it's a lot of them now coming from everywhere and already we are underwater, you know, in terms of the marking. But that's where we need to go. We need to help young people understand that they can participate in this program. This is not a program of uh, English home language or English mm -hmm. first, la first language speakers only. It's for all of us, which then leads me to the second point that I also want to see mm -hmm. the participation of learners with special education, it's especially those that are using sign language, because we want to see that diversity, mm -hmm. including language diversity that we want to see in the future. Because in ordinary courts of law, there are, all languages are used, and then there are interpretation services that are happening there. And some children would have got an interest in law, but they, they may be experiencing language barriers, mm -hmm. and so they may be holding back from participating. Yeah. So you want to say that even if you speak Afrikaans, mm -hmm. Please come and participate, and you'll argue in Afrikaans, and there will be interpretation services, mm -hmm. like there is in the real world. Mm -hmm. And so even if you speak Tosa or Zulu or Sotho, mm -hmm. you can be able to do that. Mm -hmm. So we do really want to ensure that these programs that we put out, are we dissolve the elitist elements of them so that every child is able to participate. I agree, 100%. That's, that's actually important, really. Thank you so much, Mr. Bottoman, for, for taking some of your day to come have this interview. And it's a very busy day today, I'm very sure. Yeah. I'm so glad that we have this interview. So, And I hope that the things that you envision for the, for the competition comes to life. So thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me, Vicky. You have just listened to the Africa Rights Talk podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Do not forget to subscribe 
to our YouTube channels, social media platforms such as Twitter and Instagram. Thank you for listening.